Well, hey, welcome once again, and uh, I just want to give a shout out for those of you who might not know or recognize them. My parents are here today, Beth and Jim, and uh, down here on the front row, you know, pastor's family has to hold it down on the front row since nobody else will sit here, and then my, my brother and sister-in-law, Will and Farley, are back here on the back row. They're the back row people, okay? Um, so... These people are to thank for who I am today, whether that's good or bad or whatever you think of me. You can thank them or speak to them after the service. Um, but I want to say to my dad something I don't think I've ever said, and that is thank you for building the treehouse in our backyard. Oh, I have a picture of it here. I don't think I've ever thanked my dad for this tree. This is a pretty awesome treehouse, isn't it? So it has steps to get in. You know, it's risen above the ground, a little ramp, and then the first level is open. So you can throw pine cones off of it. You can throw out parachute men, do fun things like that. Then there's steps to the second level, which has, you know, screened in window and it has a roof on it so you can sleep in it. You, you know, you can have a ton of fun in this treehouse. And my dad actually built it with some of his friends, with, with his, their own hands, right? They didn't outsource this. So this was a gift my dad uh, gave to me and my two brothers when we were young, I guess before I was even born. So all my life, this has been in the backyard. And so whenever my friends would come over and they would pull up into the driveway, the first thing they would say is, wow, wow, look at that treehouse. That is amazing. Can we go up in it? Can we play in it? Can we sleep in it? You know, can we run around like, let's just spend all our time outside. We don't need to be inside doing anything today because this is amazing. And usually, you know, my friends come over and be like, oh yeah, you know, we can do that. That's cool and all. But what I usually didn't tell them is that sadly... My brothers and I really never played in the treehouse. We, we, never, we never played in it too much. And so when my friends would come over and we're like, yeah, we can do it. You know, we don't use it a lot. It's kind of dirty inside. They were always shocked and surprised. But the thing is, because it was in our own backyard, we kind of took it for granted. And it was always there. And so a lot of times we didn't think about it and we didn't think about playing in it because it was just there. It was part of our life. And so a lot of times we overlooked it. And my friends never understood how that could happen because they just dreamed of something like this in their own backyard. But maybe you can understand how this type of thing happens, how you have this in your backyard and you don't play with it. Because this is how most of us treat the Lord's Prayer. This is how most of us treat the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that we're studying in this series, Pray Like Jesus, because Jesus has given us this gift on behalf of our Heavenly Father. And it is an amazing gift teaching us everything we need to know about prayer. All the deepest truths of prayer. And yet most of us, we just kind of take it for granted. And maybe we learned it growing up and we, we have it in our memories and we just kind of think, okay, you know, that's, that's whatever. But you know what? In this sermon series, I want seven cool new tips for prayer. I want something new. I want something novel. I want something catchy. But Jesus has given us everything we need to know in the Lord's Prayer, yet so often we take it for granted because for a lot of us, it's just part of our life. It's just something we grew up with and we don't even think about it, just like for a lot of years, we didn't even think about that treehouse. And so that's why in this series leading up to Easter in these 40 days, we're diving deeper into the Lord's Prayer together. Because Jesus has given us this gift on behalf of our Heavenly Father to help us communicate with Him, to grow in our relationship with Him, to receive His power and His presence into our lives. And so each week, 
what we're doing is we're kind of taking a different line of the Lord's Prayer because Jesus didn't just give this to us so that we would just recite it over and over again. He gave it to us so that it would be like a diving board. Each line would be a, a jump-off point to go deeper and to pray even more prayers. And so last week, if you were with us, we started at the beginning of the prayer with Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And we talked about how the Lord's Prayer, it starts with God and not with us, even though most of our prayers start with us and not with God. And how in this prayer, it starts with an acknowledgement that God is our Father. That He's close to us, that He loves us, that He wants what's best for us. So we see God's closeness, but then we also see God's greatness, acknowledging that God is in heaven, that God is all-powerful, and that God is holy. And so we saw God's closeness, God's greatness, and His love for us, and that that's how we should begin our time in prayer. And so this morning, as we continue in the prayer, we're going to continue with the next phrase and dive into it a bit deeper. And um, in your bulletin, you'll see the reference to where this prayer is in Scripture. It's Matthew chapter 6 and Luke chapter 11. But here is the prayer that Jesus gives us. And as we go to the second line today, I want us to just say this out loud together. So would you join me in it? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. With this line in the prayer, Jesus invites us to kind of look up from our everyday lives and to move past the horizon of our world. And he invites us to look up to heaven and to see what heaven is like and what's going on in heaven right now. And in the prayer, Jesus gives us a hint, some clues about what's going on in heaven right now. And he tells us that right now in heaven, God's kingdom is come. It has come and it is present and God's will is being done in heaven right now. Because you see, in heaven, everybody and everything recognizes God for who he is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords and there is worship going on right now. People are living under God's rule and God's reign. He is in the proper place, a place to be worshipped. And so his kingdom is present. He's being recognized as king. He's being worshipped as king. And people are living out God's will for them. They're, they're loving other people perfectly and they're loving God perfectly. And while there's a lot of mysteries about heaven that, that I don't know and that we won't know until the future, some things aren't a mystery. And one of those things that is in heaven, there is no sin. There is no suffering, there is no hate, there is no darkness. It is full of light and it is full of love. And here at this portion of the prayer, Jesus points us up to heaven and he invites us to see what's going on there, that God's kingdom has come and that God's will is being done. And I don't know about you, but when I look up to heaven and I think about what's going on there right now, and then I look down at our world, I see that there's a vast difference between the two. 
Because if we think about, God, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we quickly see and quickly notice the terrible things going on around us. And just this week, if you watch the news at all, I mean, you saw a number of them. Now there's 50 people who've been killed in Christchurch, New Zealand. In two different mosques by a gunman. It was live streamed on Facebook, all over social media. We don't know all the details yet, but it seems pretty clear it was motivated by hate, by bigotry. Last Sunday, a plane crash happened in Ethiopia. 157 people died. Three generations in one family dead. Maybe you saw the college cheating scandal where parents paid millions of dollars over many years to bribe college officials and coaches and, and other things to scam their way, scam their kids' way into colleges they probably couldn't have gotten into otherwise. I mean, you just turn on the news for just a second and you can quickly see how different the kingdom of God is than the kingdoms of this world. And you know, sometimes you hear and it's popular to say, you know, hey, if it happened in this world, well, everything that happens is God's will. But why would Jesus ask us to pray that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven if everything that happens in our world is God's will? We see that the kingdom of God is pretty different than the kingdoms of this world here. We see when we look up to heaven that there is this gap between heaven and earth, between what is and what should be. In God's kingdom, there's no violence, there's love. In God's kingdom, there are no lies, there is truth. In God's kingdom, there isn't greed, there is generosity. And so when we look up to heaven in this prayer, we begin to see this gap between heaven and earth. And here in this prayer, Jesus is inviting us to pray that the gap between heaven and earth would be gone. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when we begin praying this prayer, one of the things that Jesus is inviting us to pray is for his future kingdom. When God's kingdom will come in all of its fullness, when it will be fully consummated, when there will be no more death, no more suffering, any of that stuff, when God will reign in final victory over all of creation, Jesus is inviting us to look forward to that day. And that day is so different than the day we live in now. That day is beautiful. The world we live in is so broken. But I love this image that we get in Revelation chapter 21. As John has this vision and he says this. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. 
in this prayer, Jesus is inviting us to pray that this future day would come. We, we learn in the prophecies regarding Jesus' birth that he will have a kingdom without end. And so we pray with this prayer and we look forward to that kingdom coming in its fullness. When, when it's all beautiful instead of broken. And from the earliest days of the church, Christians have been praying this prayer, especially in the midst of persecution then and in the midst of persecution now. And one of the, the prayers that Christians would pray early on and even now still do, not, and it depends on the tradition, is this prayer in Aramaic. And the prayer is one word, and it is Maranatha. Can you say that with me? Maranatha. It's an Aramaic word that simply means, come Lord. Come Lord, come quickly. Paul uses this in one of his letters and already by the time his letter was written, this was a common prayer in the church. And I don't know about you, but when I see all of the violence, all of the chaos, all of the division in our world, a lot of times that's just my prayer. My simple prayer is, Maranatha, come Lord. Come quickly. We don't have what it takes. We need a savior. We can't figure out enough solutions to solve our own problems. We can't fix any of this ourselves. We've tried, we've failed. Lord, we need you. Come, Lord, quickly. We need you to come and to fix us, to rescue us, to save us, and to establish your kingdom because there's so much brokenness in this world. That's my prayer. That's the prayer Jesus is inviting us to pray. Come, Lord, come and establish your kingdom that is without end. He's inviting us to pray it for the future, for that future day. But he's also inviting us to pray that prayer for the here and now. To pray that God's kingdom would come and that God's will would be done on earth right now as it is in heaven. And Jesus invites us to pray this prayer for right now because when Jesus entered into the world, the kingdom of God broke in. Heaven crashed into earth and one of Jesus' first recorded messages in the Gospel of Mark is, the kingdom of God has come near. Or some translations put it, the kingdom of God has arrived. And everywhere that Jesus went, he brought the kingdom of God with him. And he taught about the kingdom of God. It was one of his most famous messages and themes throughout his parables and his teachings. And he never gives, you know, just one clear definition, which don't we all wish he did that? But Jesus, he didn't teach that way often. He often taught in parables and in illustrations. And in his parables and illustrations, we see that the kingdom of God isn't exactly geographical in nature like a lot of us think about it. And that's why this concept is hard for us. Because when we think of kingdom, we, we think of, you know, like a castle. Maybe we think of the United Kingdom. We think of kingdoms of old. But here he's not talking about something that's, that's really geographical in nature. Here... He says in all his parables, a way to summarize it would be that the kingdom of God is present in this world when people recognize and respond to God's loving rule and reign in this world and in their lives. When people recognize God in his proper place as king, and whenever and wherever people are living as his people, they're recognizing his authority and his will, and they're responding with their lives and living out that there the kingdom of God is present 
And so in this prayer, when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're praying that God's kingdom would come now as well, that, that in our world, in our lives, that all of creation would recognize Jesus as the king and that we would live in response to that under his leadership, under his authority, and that we would live as his people because he knows what's best for us. And so we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray that the gap between heaven and earth would be gone. And as you begin praying this prayer, one thing I'll just let you know is you'll quickly begin to notice the gaps in your own life. The gaps between God's kingdom and God's will and your little kingdom and your own will. Because if you're anything like me, when I pray... Most of my prayers, typically when I'm left to myself and I'm not praying like Jesus, most of my prayers aren't for God's kingdom and for God's will. They're for my will and for my own kingdom. Right? Usually I say, hey, God, I want you to do this. God, will you do that? God, will you make a way for this? God, here's my will. Will you make it happen? Or I say, hey, God, would you extend my kingdom? Would you have people do what I want, when I want, where I want? Anybody else? catch themselves ever praying like that or is it just me okay right we pray for our kingdoms to be built for our will to be done we pray that on to god but god notice what jesus teaches us in this prayer he teaches us to pray thy kingdom come thy will be done not my kingdom come and my will be done he invites us to pray that god's kingdom would come in our lives that we would do god's will personally in our lives. Now, how do we do that? Well, throughout the Gospels, we see that the way we begin living as, as people who are in the midst of God's kingdom and who are doing God's will is to put Jesus in his proper place, to put him above us and to live below him, to surrender our lives to him and to say, you are my creator, you are my maker. I want to live in complete surrender and submission to you. It's when we recognize that our lives are not our own and we live under his authority. We recognize who he is and what he wants us to do. When we respond that way, then the kingdom of God breaks into our lives and we begin living out God's will in our everyday life. And now this is hard. This is hard, which is why one of the reasons why we pray for this to happen in our own lives because ever since the garden, Adam and Eve, what, what did they do? They say, God, not your will, but our will. And ever since then, we've been doing the same thing over and over again. So we have to pray, God, may your kingdom come, may your will be done. And as we pray, God begins to transform us from the inside out. And we begin to live as his kingdom people. And if you look in Matthew chapter 26, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, you ever notice the prayer that he prays? God, not my will but thy will. See, Adam and Eve were unfaithful to God in the garden. They didn't live out his will. But in that garden, many, many years later, Jesus was faithful to God's will. He surrendered himself. He said, God, not my will, but thy will. And because Jesus was faithful unto death on a cross, we now have the ability to live as God's children as citizens of his kingdom. And we can each personally make Jesus the Lord 
and the leader of our own lives. And when we begin doing that, He transforms us. The kingdom of God becomes present in our own lives. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, knew how important this was. And so he taught Methodists all over to pray for God's kingdom to come and for them to do God's will regularly. He actually penned what's called the Wesley Covenant Prayer. And he encouraged Methodist churches all over the world to pray this prayer regularly. And typically it was in January, around the new year, to surrender ourselves again to who he is. And so I want to I share this prayer with you. Um, and this prayer is actually in the 40-day prayer guide that's out by the door. So if you haven't grabbed one of those, I invite you to grab it. It's one of the days of prayer. But this is him putting in his own words this prayer, God, would your will be done in my life? Here's what he says. He says, God, I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Place me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be put to work for you or set aside for you. Praised for you or criticized for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and fully surrender all things to your glory and service. And now, a wonderful and holy God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it also be in heaven. Amen. This is a bold prayer. This is a bold prayer of surrender, but that is what Jesus is asking us to do here. To say, God, may your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth in my life as it is in heaven. But Jesus, he doesn't want us to just stop there at ourselves because as we'll see throughout this series prayer is ultimately not always about us and ourselves and our wants and our needs jesus also wants us to pray this line of the lord's prayer for for other things particularly like our church he wants us to pray god may your kingdom come and may your will be done in our church as it is in heaven and one of the cool things that a lot of you have taken part in this is that for the last 24 hours People have been praying for our church pretty much continuously. We've had 24 hours of prayer from 10.30 a.m. yesterday until 10.30 a.m. this morning. And our prayers haven't been, God, get us a bigger building. Hey, God, make our name great. Build our little kingdom. No, our prayers have been, God, may your kingdom come and may your will be done in our church. May you help us live out your will and live as an outpost of your kingdom because that's what every local church is supposed to be is an outpost of the kingdom of God. In the midst of our broken world, in the midst of all of the darkness around us, we are supposed to be a beacon of light. And I love how people, a lot of times when I hear people pray for our church, they pray for our church on the hill because, because we're, we're up here. And when you come from different ways, you can see our church and we're meant to be like a lighthouse, a beacon of hope, a beacon of light, an outpost of the kingdom of God for the community. We're supposed to be a sign pointing people to love, to mercy, to grace, to truth. We're, we're supposed to be a sign pointing to all of those things here in our community in a concrete and in a tangible way. 
God wants us to be an instrument of his kingdom. He wants us to be people who are, who are helping other people, who are helping people when they're hungry, who are helping people with their needs, who are fighting for justice and for righteousness in our community. He wants to use us. He wants us to be a foretaste of heaven. He wants us as a people to reflect what's going on in heaven right now and for people in our community to catch a glimpse of that. Now that's a big task, right? And our church doesn't always get it right. The church does not always get it right. That is certainly true. And when we don't get it right, we're called to repent. We're called to realign ourselves under Jesus, under his authority, and to once again seek out to do his will and to be an outpost of his kingdom. That's the calling he's given us as a church. And so we need to pray this prayer for our church, Harvest Point, and for other churches in the community and in the world. But then he doesn't just want us to stop there either. He wants us to pray this prayer on behalf of all people everywhere. To pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in Henry County, Spalding County, in Georgia, in the United States of America, and to the ends of the earth. This right here is an invitation in the Lord's Prayer that Jesus gives us to intercede on behalf of other people and in the midst of other situations. And intercession might be a word you haven't heard much before, but it simply means praying on behalf of other people, not simply praying for ourselves. That's what Jesus is inviting us to do here. You see, God's kingdom is characterized by love and not by violence. And so Jesus calls us to pray that violence would end in our world. Jesus' kingdom is characterized not by, by hatred, by racism or misogyny or anything like that. It's characterized by love and by unity and by oneness. And so he calls us to pray against those things. God's kingdom is characterized not by greed, not by lies, not by any of those things. So he prays, he asks us to pray against those things. He asks us to pray that the gap between heaven and earth would be gone. But when we begin praying that, something happens. And what's supposed to happen is that that prayer that we're praying in our heart and in our minds or in the silence of our homes, that prayer should begin to move from our hearts to our hands and to our feet. Because Jesus not only wants us to pray, thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, he also wants us to live out this prayer. To live out this prayer here, near, and far.